welcome to episode 66 of the J Bunny's Music Hub podcast. I'm your host, J Bunny. Well, everyone, after quite a while of trying to get this guest back on the show, Doc Coyle joins us today for the first time since 2017. It was great to talk to Doc about everything that's gone on in his career since Bad Wolves exploded onto the scene and became one of the biggest bands in hard rock and metal right now. Also talked about the status of the other bands he mentioned he was in when he was on the show last time. And obviously can't have a conversation with Doc without talking about God Forbid. It's a fantastic conversation. I really think that you guys are going to enjoy it. So without further ado... Here's Doc. What's up, everybody? It is Jay Bunny. I am here at home in my new home, recording the first episode of the Music Hub remotely from the new house. Joining me today, returning to the show for the first time since 2017, Doc Coyle. How's it going? It's going good, man. It's going good. All this stuff with the new house has been interesting. Well, congrats on the new house. Thank you very much, man. After after a bunch of years of fighting and clawing and struggling and now i own my own place it's crazy yeah man (laughs) maybe one day i'll know what that's like (laughs) (laughs) well considering that i would i would think i mean i don't know your specific situation but i feel like you are a much more successful person than i i feel like that's that's definitely on the radar for sure we'll see we 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 shall see man i've done been doing music a long time and and made no money for most of it or very little (laughs) Uh, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. So, so as I mentioned, you were you were on the show. You were one of my very first episodes back in 2017 when I started this show. You were episode number seven, I think. You know, at the time, it was before it was before Bad Wolves was real. I mean, Bad Wolves existed, but you guys weren't signed or hadn't announced where you'd signed to. And we were kind of talking about all of the stuff that you had had, had going on at the time. And so before we really dive into Bad Wolves and all that has gone on in the four and a half years since we last really got to sit sit down and talk, I just wanted to know what the status is of the other bands that you were involved in at the time, Vegas Nerve, Maytal Cohen, and the Rebel Noise Group. Well, so I guess I'll I'll go through that. So Rebel Noise Group was the cover band that I was doing, a lot of fun, and you know a lot of different musicians involved, kind of a rotating cast. And I mean, I guess... I've just been busy. You know, it's funny. I wanted to actually, I would have loved to do some stuff in the last like six months or so, but I guess uh, it was around the time when concerts were first starting coming back. So it was hard to tell what was available and really just the bad wolves machine. Once we had the singer split, you know, we had to basically, I had to put all my time and energy into a finishing the record and then finding a singer and doing all that and so and it went from doing that to the pr- promotion side of the record doing videos and photos and getting the album art work together and and now we're on the next phase which is you know really hammering on the social media aspect of things and fan connection and touring and all all, all that stuff so it's something i definitely love to do at, at some point whether i rebrand or who knows just because i love playing covers um especially the songs that kind of I I, I want to say like I grew up with, but I guess I, I guess to a certain degree I did, but stuff from the '90s and 2000s and stuff I really enjoy. Maytal Cohen, really, what happened was I got busy with Bad Wolves even before it was called Bad Wolves because that project lost the singer, and there was just nothing really going on. So that's when I started playing with uh, 
with the Bad Wolves guys. And then, you know, maybe around a year or two later, they got like the second record together. But at that point, I was knee deep in Bad Wolves. So that's what happened with that. And then Vegas Nerve, it's it's kind of weird because before we had the singer split in Bad Wolves, I was planning on putting a new Vegas Nerve record together because I wasn't really that involved with the Bad Wolves record. I wasn't, you know, I was writing songs and they weren't really being considered. And so I was like, well, I'm not really that involved in this record. So let me put my creative energy into something. And then the split happened. And then I, then I was involved (laughs) in a really, in a really big way. So I had to kind of pivot back to Bad Wolves. And now I have such a much bigger role in the band. It's kind of hard to do everything, but it's, in the back of my head, it's, you know, we've cor- corresponded. We definitely want to do some stuff. It's just a matter of figuring out a working schedule and kind of even a methodology because everyone's all over the country. So there's a lot of potential there. And, and when I have some time, which who knows when, <laughs> because really everything is is wrapped up in, in Bad Wolves right now, with the exception of I just did the wedding band stuff with the Metallica guys right before the new year. So I was working on that for about six weeks and then kind of right back to Bad Wolves world. Okay. All right. Yeah. I really enjoyed that, uh, that EP from Vegas and you know, like I said, like I mentioned, you were on the show playing with that band of dingbats and I really, I really enjoyed that. I was actually listening back to the episode we did a few years ago and that we had included that song, the, the one song from that EP and there. I really enjoyed that band. I do hope that you guys can get some more stuff going. Not that I don't enjoy Bad Wolves as well. And I do know that that is, you know, kind of as it should, that, that, that has become, and it sort of brings me to the next question, which is, you know, Bad Wolves, as I mentioned, was not, had barely started when we talked last and, you know, when we had spoke, you had talked about, well, we've got some offers for some deals, but you guys hadn't really signed anything yet. You only had the one single that came out on, on Sirius XM. And now, you know, you guys are three albums in, become one of the biggest bands, I, I would say, in the scene. You know, you guys had that massive cover song. And so I just wanted to ask you, having almost eclipsed everything that you and the other members of their other bands have achieved. Like, how does it feel and what adjustments have you had to make as a result of the success of bad wolves? Well, I mean, it's in, it's in many ways, multi-tiered because I think there was the initial kind of that first year when zombie hit and it was just really like a whirlwind. And I think there's a perception maybe that, you get a big kind of crazy phenomenon hit song like that. And all of a sudden, you know, a Brinks truck rolls up and you just, you just get a bunch of money and fly in a private jet, but it just wasn't the case. We were, we had booked those first couple tours before that stuff happened. And we were still in a van to start that cycle. And really, even though the band had kind of hit the ground running, it still, it still felt like we were built. We had to build something over the the course of that year. And so we weren't making a ton of money for that first year. It was still a grind. It was still a lot of work. And it really felt like on the second record, now the things were kind of going to start kind of coming together and getting to that next level and going to kind of exist in that headliner type uh, status. And then we did two tours and then the pandemic happened, you know. And so it kind of we had an entire year of of touring planned. You know, it was it was going to be what I think is going to be a really successful time and, and hopefully the band was going to reach that that next plateau. And so we kind of got kind of stuck in our tracks. So I would say it's like 
it's this thing of going, okay, me being, you know, my late thirties at the time, getting a whole new kind of second wind in a, in a career and getting a whole new kind of level of notoriety was definitely something that I did not anticipate, you know? So it was, that part of it was just great, right? Just to go, hey, here's this thing I, I wasn't even trying really to do, but it just kind of happened by de facto of making certain decisions and and deciding to kind of move forward with this project. But there was also a lot of stuff, you know, behind the scenes that wasn't that great, you know, about the environment, you know, that, that made it really difficult and feel, felt less connected. You know, I didn't, I didn't feel quite a, like it was my band, if that makes sense. Right, for right. for a long time because I didn't have a lot of agency or decision making capacity, so I really felt like I was part of this thing, but there was some detachment from the success. Right, it didn't feel quite as much as my success, and I think to some degree that's that's helpful because it, it it's not going to go to your head, right? You're not going to go there and say I'm the baddest dude, I'm the greatest. It's kind of like this thing is happening. I'm a part of it, but I didn't start the band. And all of the genesis of the ideas weren't weren't necessarily mine, but I was part of it. So in a, in a weird way, I feel like having ownership and feeling like anything that happens that we can go really pat ourselves on the back, I think it started really in this last year with the new album, Dear Monsters, and the new lineup and kind of reorganizing the the culture of the band where everyone can feel a part of whether it's any, you know, successes or failures, we can at least own it, you know, it can be ours and it can be a shared experience. Now, like I mentioned before, and I don't know if we were recording when I said this, but I've been trying to catch up on back X-Men podcasts that I haven't heard yet. And it's brought me back to around the time that we did our first interview. And it was around the time when you joined Bad Wolves. And it's funny to hear the way that things are developing through the lens of where I know they're going to end up. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned at one point that the band's original name was Eye of Tongues. I, I definitely find Bad Wolves to be a better name. How did you guys come up with the decision to change it? And, and how did that become the name that you guys decided on? Oh, I mean, Tommy was never really happy with Eye of Tongues. And I I got it, you know, uh, and some somewhere around the time that the band was going to sign a record deal between Tommy and John, they kind of figured a, a new name. And, when I, and so I was just basically told, hey, the new name of the band now is Bad Wolves. And I was like, it's pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, it felt, I mean, it's funny, there's so many bad bands, right? Bad Flower, uh, Bad Omens, Bad, you know, like you can go to Bad Bunny, you can go down the, the yeah, list, yeah. but... But something about it just felt like the name of a big band. If Eye of Tongues is, I would say it's prototypical prototypical by any measure, but it is, speaks to kind of a higher minded, we're going to turn a phrase and complex words and imagery that is more in line with, I would say, extreme metal and things like that. Bad Wolves is just kind of putting it out there like, it's a, it might as well almost be called like badass or something. It's just <laughs> ver, very direct and conjures something cool, in my opinion. See, but and and it, and it strikes that because if you called it like badass, that's a bit too direct. Like I always I always loved Hell Yeah, but I always thought that was a terrible band name. <laughs> I mean, listen, it, it, I think it worked for what they were doing, the sound and and listen, and I always think about uh that corn home video 
where they're talking talking about their band name and they go and monkey's talking he's like corn's a dumb name but he's like the band makes the name cool so it's like doesn't really matter what the name is as long as the, the band is good and to some degree i i agree with that and I, i've seen examples where i think bad names have held bands back or 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 names that necessarily don't fit this don't correspond with the sound but yeah it's a it's a good band name and 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 Luckily, we had Zoltan involved, and he helped design the the logo, and and all that stuff just seemed to work really well. Which is the marketing side of things, which I feel like you know when I go back to the early days with God forbid, we were always a little bit a step behind with that stuff. And so if you can get that stuff right on the initial launch of a band, then it'll pay dividends for the rest of your career. Right. That was another one of those things where, you know, again, going back to the early X-Men shows, like, you know, I, I can't I can't confirm or deny that we're working with Zoltan. <laughs> yeah, I don't I, do. I don't, even, I don't even remember. But I mean, we, we owe so much of our career to to not only Zoltan, who is, you know, co-manager of the band, but also just that entire band for bringing us on tour and kind of being the, uh, you know, big brother mentor, you know, and just getting to see how, how they work every day and being able to just learn, you know, they're one of the biggest bands in, in the world and, and for, for a reason. Right. And, right. and so kind of that, them bring us under their wing really gave us, gave us a career in many ways. So as I mentioned before, the song that's probably most responsible for your at least initial success was the, co- the cover of zombie by the cranberries. What made you guys decide to cover that song? I mean, Tommy had it from his old band, uh, Westville massacre. So I can't take any credit for it. But it existed, and Dolores was supposed to sing on it, and she passed away when she, while she was supposed to do it, and we became part of the story, and kind of the rest is history. You know, tragic and bittersweet because you're, on the one hand, having this song kind of have this moment in a, in a really big way that doesn't happen very often, especially for a, an unknown artist. But in many ways, it's it's right in line with a legendary performer and artist passing away so it's this thing of i don't know it was, it was a lot of mixed emotions through that period of time you know and and wanting that success on your own but also feeling conflicted about exploitation i guess now obviously you know you've mentioned tommy a couple times he was the original singer of bad wolves and and i'll say i was a bit apprehensive about his inclusion when the band was first announced because it seems like every band he's ever been in he's left in an explosion of drama and that was the case with with bad wolves as well uh, i mean you you and he were good friends even before the band when did things start to go bad um i'm really not privy to kind of talk about stuff right now we've the band and him settled a legal situation and part of that legal situation is um, okay is, is to have non-disparagement so i'm just not going to get into any of that sure sure that's fine yeah i know i certainly didn't want to talk shit but we can we can just forego that well, even if anything could be construed other other otherwise i'm just you know he was in the band he's no longer in the band and you know that's where we're at <laughs> fair enough so then you know moving on you know after there was a lot of back and forth uh, you guys have gone your separate ways and the band now has a new singer in, in DL. You guys, those guys have released a new album, Dear Monsters. How did DL come to join the band? As far as I could tell, he wasn't known as a vocalist prior to being in Bad Wolves. Yeah, we we knew he was a vocalist because essentially when Bad Wolves came out and was you know things were happening, you know he had 
he had reached out to me just to let me know how big of a fan he was. And he was almost lobbying me to, to join the band as like a third guitar player. And, um, he would just send me stuff, you know, like that he was working on. And he had, he had sent me this, he did a cover of a seven dust song and he sang on it. And I was like, Holy shit. I had, I had no idea that he could, he could sing like this. And I went, it reminded me of Howard Jones from okay. Killswitch, like his actual like style of singing. And I was, I was like, Holy shit, that's kind of crazy. And we just stayed in touch. And then he ended up writing a chorus for the second album nation, um, a song called the consumerists. And he, he wrote the chorus for that. And, you know, and I, he had been, you know, I, I had reconnected with him. I mean, four maybe like four years ago when, uh, he was on my podcast and I, you know, and I knew he was producing and writing and, and, and doing all this stuff. But we, like I said, we just pretty much stayed in touch. And I guess around the time the split happened, he was in the back of my mind. And I remember, I mean, right when it happened, I talked to John, I mentioned to you, I was like, I was like, it's like DL maybe. And, and John was like, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. And then John was in touch with him. And then within 24 hours of not having a vocalist, he sent us a version of the Bad Wolves song better off this way. And it was pretty much spot on. Like, not that it sounded, you know, exactly the same, but it felt like the same band. That if someone was listening to a record, they wouldn't hear it and go, who's this band? They it would just, oh, this is Bad Wolves. And that, so that was the first person that we had kind of put an entry in. But we still, and, we, and we, at that moment, based on his look and, and the vocals, we go, you know what? If we went with DL right now, the worst case scenario is we have records that pretty much sound like Bad Wolves records. <laughs> and so right. it was a good kind of base to launch out and from there we essentially decided let's go out and canvas singers we think might want the gig or be good for the gig and then a bunch of people sent in submissions we did some in-person stuff and then at the end we had three different people do vocals for a few new songs and then we made our final decision okay All right. whole process took about two months now, obviously, when a singer changes, it can split the fan base. How have the reactions been to the lineup change and the new album? I mean, depends where you want to look. <laughs> I enough. mean, listen, uh, it's no secret that the period of time between the split and DL announcing the band was uh, there was a, a lot of ugliness going on. I'll 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 put it that way. Yeah. And the uh, the fan base was purposefully split. Okay. And so, listen, I think any band that has a member change of that magnitude, you're, I, it's almost inevitable you're going to take some kind of hit, right? right? So, I think you have to end our situation. If I was being completely objective, I would think we would take more of a hit than most bands. And the likelihood that the band would succeed is actually pretty, I would say low, but it's not obvious that it would work. Like I, a lot of people, even people on the professional side or media side, heard say things that they didn't think the band would could make it. And so just knowing that it's an uphill battle, and if you keep that in perspective, it kind of makes you understand the process a little more. So our situation, really, there's never been a situation like that where you have that kind of muddying the waters, so to speak, with right. the, with with the fan base. And 
despite all that, I think we've come out this, the other side really well. Because the truth is, I think if you're being objective, right, which fans aren't really objective, right? They're <laughs> emotionally attached to the music and the, the the people that make that music. If you're if you're actually being objective, I think the transition is very seamless. But that doesn't necessarily mean. I mean, I can think of uh, ten bands that I'm fans of that that change the singer where I might like the old singer or the new singer, whatever, and you're going to have your preference and that's fine. But I, I will say at the moment we are now, it's very much in the background. And I, and I think that's because you just got to move on, you know? And if someone was a fan and it, and currently is a fan, the likelihood that they're spending their time telling us how much we suck is going to decrease over time. And eventually it's just not really going to be relevant because if you're not a fan of what we do, you're not going to spend your time telling us we suck, right? You're just not going to check us out. So I think it's just all about moving forward, being where you're at now, not worrying. You know, listen, I, <laughs> being someone who, you know, and this goes for the whole band, who has taken probably as much negativity in online spaces as any band, I don't say ever, but maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe ever, you you develop thick skin. You have to. You have to be able to to take people telling you you suck (laughs) and and realize that it's not everything you know it's not you have to go you have to be able to create that distance and persevere and go well that person thinks we suck but all these people think we're great and that's fine we just have to go out there and do the fucking thing and that's what we did that's what we're still doing yeah yeah, you guys are going to be going on tour soon uh with papa roach if i'm not mistaken yes sir so one of the other things I wanted to ask you about is uh, with the changing landscape of of the the music industry, and we'll get into that a, a bit more in a little bit. But one of the one of the tools that's out there that bands have been utilizing is Patreon, and I know that Bad Wolves had been utilizing Patreon for a while, but it appears that there hasn't been any new content on there since right before DL joined the band. Are you guys done with that for now, or will fans see so, more Bad Wolves content in the future? We legally couldn't use it for about oh, okay. eight months. Now we're allowed to use it, and we're we're literally we're in talks currently about relaunching and the type of content we want to utilize because you know I I definitely believe if there's not new content then it should pro- then it should be shut down because it's a subscription based service and we're not gonna take people's money for nothing. The way I kind of perceive it is is like a fan club and provide value for what fans are are contributing and use use it as a platform to just create a better relationship with the, with the fans. So we have a bunch of ideas and we're definitely going to, I just want to make it cool. And I think, I think it, it, it will be cool. And it's a, uh, it's cool, man. That, that, that Patreon man kept us afloat during the, the pandemic. So I want to thank everyone who was on there. You know, the, the fans that were, that we kind of connect to through the Patreon man are like our biggest fans out there. So it's pretty amazing. That's fantastic, man. I set up one for the for this show that I'm still trying to to get off the ground. Uh, I really like Patreons and the GoFundMe's and things like that being the kind of the kind of fan that I am. The problem is that doing all of those things when you like a lot of fans becomes very expensive. Yeah, you got to pick uh, maybe maybe three or four, and uh, <laughs> you know, it's uh, I I can I can imagine I can imagine, man. We all what we have our Netflix and Spotify's and, you know, look at our subscriptions. It's, you know, it's a lot of money going out the door. So 
I always like to make reference to uh, because it was just such a funny thing. I know that you you uh, you've referred back to it as well as as you striving to forever be some guy in a band. And as such, you do have some other projects you've been involved in since we last spoke. The one I want to bring up first is you toured with Mark Morton for his solo album. And I saw you uh, when that show came into New York City. How did you end up getting recruited for that tour? Well, I filled in for Mark Morton with Lamb of God back in 2009. So he knew that I understood his style of guitar playing and kind of get the language that he kind of speaks with musically. And I, you know, I think I was just on the radar because of what Bad Wolves was doing. And he, he, he hit me up almost expecting me to say no or that I would be busy. And it just, when the tour came up, I just happened to be off. And I was like, hell yeah, it'd be amazing. And it was cool because it was really right when the, the single he did with uh, Chester Bennington was was hitting. So there was a lot of excitement around the project, and I thought the record was great. And I just love Mark, you know, just as a human being. And the fact that I had filled in for him, now I get to play with him, which we had never done, was just very exciting. And And he's such a monumental musician, and I, I just love his guitar playing, and I love his vibe, and just being like, being able to connect on that level after being friends for 20 years was just a real pleasure. So, so yeah, that's, that's, that's how it came, up, came about. The tour was only two weeks and, you know, some other ideas had come together, uh, come up about maybe doing some other stuff, but I got really busy after that. I toured pretty much the whole for another year after that with Bad Wolves. Right. So I know that he <clears throat> and, and Mark Morales, who was the singer, I guess now former singer of uh, Sons of Texas, I know that they've continued to work together. Uh, I, I assume uh, that that if you had the ability, you would you would continue as well with them going forward. I mean, if, if the you know if it lined up for sure, anytime. I mean, I just I just love playing, man, and I love playing with bands. You know, especially coming off the pandemic, it's crazy how much the thing you do you love doing most and the thing you spent your life doing you can't do. Right. You know, for for I went 18 months without stepping on a stage, and I was really tough. You know, it's it's kind of for me, it's a natural antidepressant, man. I, I play, I could play one show and it'll give me, you know, two, two, three, four weeks of just being excited about life. And it's just, yeah, it's it's something that I'd never want to take for granted because when I'm doing it, I just feel alive and motivated. It's just, I don't know, it's the same way. I guess it's similar to like, I'm a, you know, I'm a basketball fan. I like playing basketball, like. There's something about working with other people and teamwork and this thing of kind of losing yourself within a unit that is, I don't know, it's just just something kind of kind of spiritually gratifying. And also, I'm I'm, I'm the type of person where I just like things to come together, right? I like where something starts off not that great or not that tight or not sounding where it needs to be. And then it develops and it gets better over, over a period of time. I don't know. It's just something very satisfying about that process. You know, I'm not, uh, I tried to be in a band myself in high school. It didn't work out. So I don't have that point of view on it, but as a, as a fan, I can say that there's a very similar thing. Uh, one of my, one of my favorite things to sort of get out the stresses of life. I mean, I can't really like mosh anymore. My back is fucked up. I'm getting old, but just go into a show and, headbanging as long as i can and just taking it all in it's it's so great man especially when it's when it's a a band that you really enjoy it's fantastic fucking experience (laughs) it's a it's a sharing environment right the band 
works and gets to a point where they feel that they can present that in front of people and then they're like hey here's all our energy here's all our effort and then the fans absorb that give it back to the band and it's in it's this kind of circle of just great energy now you mentioned before the wedding band which is a cover band you're in with members of metallica death angel ugly kid joe and queens of the stone age how did that come together well when i first moved to la back in 2014 i was doing the rebel noise group my cover band and uh, ken shulk drummer from Candiria and Fuel was in my band and he was filling in for Rob Trujillo's band Mass Mental at the time and Mass Mental is a band with two bass players they don't have a guitar player but they do this one medley of Black Sabbath songs in the middle of their set and they needed a guitar player and my name came up uh, and luckily I toured with Metallica in 2009 when I was playing with Lamb of God and so Rob was aware of who I was and Kenny brought my name up and they say, hey, you want to come learn these three Black Sabbath songs and, and jam? And I went to the rehearsal, went through the tunes, and they're like, all right, sounds good. See you, see you at the whiskey. <laughs> and uh, and that was the first show I played in L.A. So I'd maybe been here for six months. And, you know, it was crazy. It was like Duff McKagan was at the show and Ozzy Osbourne and Stuart Copeland from The Police. And it was just a bug out, you know. And it was just fun, you know, just jam with all these different different people and and you know even at rehearsal like we you know they just start playing i would just start jamming with the guys and the next day after the show rob just called me and goes hey man great job you did awesome he's like you're gonna do great in this town and he just kind of kept calling me to do gigs and rehearsals with that band pretty much up until metallica put out their new album hardwired and then that was right around the time bad wolves start got busy so we didn't really we didn't really do anything for like maybe a year or so. And then he called me to fill in at a wedding band rehearsal for Kirk. And luckily I was off from the road and I go, yeah, sure. And it was a lot of the songs kind of we had done with Mass Mental or, or in the similar vein. So I kind of I had a familiarity for kind of the, the style of material. And it was a lot of songs. There was like 16 songs or something like that. I bust my ass, do the rehearsal, and I was just happy the rehearsal went well. And that when we're done, I'm like putting away my gear. And he goes, man, that was really great. It's like, I kind of think it would be great if you actually did the gig. And the gig was in Toronto. It was like maybe in a day or two. And I was like, he's like, let me let me make some calls. See if we maybe we can make it happen, you know, budget-wise, because they have to fly me in, hotel, all this stuff. Right, right. And he basically like an hour goes by, you know, when he comes back and he's like, like, yeah, we really, you know, we look at the numbers and it's just, we just don't think we can make it happen. And at this point, I had gotten all excited about the idea <laughs> of doing this gig. So I tell him, I go, well, if I pay for my own flight, would you still want me on the gig? And he goes, it's like, let me call you back. So I, I go home and he calls me at like 1030 that night. And he goes, if you can play, pay for your flight, you're in and we'll take care of the hotel, whatever. So I did that, did the gig and went great. And kind of the same thing. They just called me back again. You know, we did another gig after that, maybe six months later or something, and it was like bigger, like more, you know, five rehearsals in L.A., five rehearsals in South Carolina, and then there's another gig, and so it was this thing of I wasn't, I wasn't in the band, and now I'm in the band, so to speak, and so it's just been a real, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know if life change is the right way to way to put it, but it's definitely life expanding, you know, to be kind of part of that circle, and uh, musically really having to stretch 
what I do because it's a lot of funk songs, stuff I didn't grow up with in particularly. I definitely didn't grow up playing as a guitar player and just understanding those different personalities and just put a lot of work, man. So it's a, the great part of it is just getting I've gotten to just play a lot over the last couple months. And a lot of it is because of that that gig. So, yeah, it's 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 amazing, man. I, I feel super blessed, you know. Well, that's awesome, man. You ever play out here on the on the or have any plans with that band to play out here? Or is that more of a? I mean, the gigs to... the gigs of that band kind of come when they come, and it's not there's not some grand uh, like, <laughs> plan. Be, obviously, Metallica is their their main oh absolutely uh, priority. So it's usually the gigs we have done are very kind of unique and special, and usually connected to some other bigger event. Right, um, right. The first two were connected to events Kirk was doing for his horror film poster collection. He was doing these art exhibits at museums, and then they were doing events around that to kind of help promote the, the whole thing. And the last one was in conjunction with the Metallica 40th anniversary performance. So we'll see. We'll see. I mean, it's I'm sure the next thing it'll be something left field and random and really cool so and hopefully i'm not on the road so i don't get replaced in the band (laughs) (laughs) so the last time you were on the show i asked you how you had felt at the time about the state of the music industry uh since it's been four and a half years and you've released more albums in that time i wanted to circle back around and ask you again i know that you've you've covered the subject of album sales and what constitutes success these days on your show recently yeah i mean i think things are pretty damn healthy because we we have now moved into the phase of where there is a lot of money to be made from streaming right and i think you you have in, in some sense you have a lot of artists power and control right like there's a band from sweden called silence for example that's doing really well right now and they're pretty much an independent band and they can make a living and kind of do their thing just based off of streaming revenue because they get all the money, right? And you don't have overhead, right? You don't have to go out and ship a bunch of records or worry about things like that. You can just you put your music up and if it does well, you can actually make money. So I just think you have to be constantly on your feet for the changes in the way music is released, the way it's promoted, the way it's marketed, how people find new bands, you cannot get attached to the old ways. And I really like the methodology of what you know bands like Turnstile and Bring Me the Horizon and Falling Reverse have done, kind of putting out singles, making a music video, and you kind of getting to have a relationship and connect to that single until they release another one. And then four months later, you didn't realize those singles are actually part of an album, which you didn't even know was coming out. So I, I like these different ways of, of rolling out material because I think, I just think it's harder for people to absorb albums all the time in as the main capacity for uh, connecting with an artist, right? Like I think because of people have less time, they're on the run, they're, they're being, their attention is constantly being um, sought after. I, I think that's just a a much more efficient way to kind of sell your band. And and the singles really are like as a, a single is like a commercial for your band, right? Like the single is supposed to get people off the street to come in to check out the whole 
you know, you're all your inventory. So, right, so, right. So I listen, I, I, I think if you look at especially at hard rock metal, I think it's probably in as good a place as it's ever been. I do think, though, the pandemic really probably hurt a lot of upcoming artists because you didn't have touring, which is one of the main ways uh, new artists get exposed. I think the bands that were established were able to capitalize off of things like a Patreon, right? Where if you're an unknown artist, who's going to pay for you to do stuff? But then again, you know, you also had all these great unemployment benefits. Maybe a lot of people that would have been spend time working a job, maybe they started working on music and got to spend time doing that and develop that. So maybe we're going to see a, maybe an explosion of new artists that maybe weren't getting quite exposed during the pandemic, but after that, were able to kind of invest. And I think you're seeing a lot of people just decided to go follow their dreams, right? And work on recording and work on, oh, I'm going to take guitar lessons. I'm going to take piano lessons. So I, I think music is in a very healthy state. All right. Now, one of the other things that I wanted to ask you sort of in conjunction with that was uh, I listened last night to the X-Men episode that you put out, the streaming versus sales symposium. I really, really enjoyed that that episode. And there was mention about vinyl and, and whatnot. And I was just wondering, I don't get it. And I was just wondering if, you know, if you if you have any insight as to why there seems to be uh, on one hand, while while CD sales are, are diminishing greatly, why there's such a demand for vinyl these days? I mean, it's it's two things. I think you had a kind of artisan revival, right, where you have, you know, I think some people, the aesthetic of going backwards, I, you know, just having things that are analog and more old school, I think, just became popular to one degree. And I think the album, the the vinyl, the physical item has always been the most kind of tangible and cool version of the physical product. And mainly because it's big, <laughs> right? And it's something you can kind of get your hands on and the artwork looks the best. And in, in many ways, I think it's like any collectible. Right. Does anyone need a fucking Beanie Baby? Does anyone need a baseball card? No, it's it's not necessarily about the utility of it. It's about things are valuable that people deem valuable. And so I think it's, it's kind of moved more from, yes, there are cer certain people who are audiophiles or old school where now they're, they're, they have a, a turntable in the house and that's how they like to consume music or appreciate music. But there's this also this collectible thing where I think half the people that buy the records or maybe more, maybe 75 percent of these people that buy vinyl are really into it, don't even really listen to it. But they just like to have it, you know. Right. Um, right. So that's that's my opinion. And it's and it's been great because your people want it, man. I mean, you, I've you know, seen this, you know, like Spirit Box sold like you know 20,000 records the first week and 10,000 of them were vinyl. That's pretty crazy. Right. Yeah. You know? And you've seen similar numbers from bands like uh, Every Time I Die and Mastodon, who, you know, has a those bands have a, a little bit of an older audience who pr appreciates those types of things. And and yeah, and even with Bad Wolves, man, we've seen it on tour, man. We will get vinyl in, we'll sign it and it, it, it goes out the door and, and it's not cheap. Right. It's it's more expensive than a than a CD. Right. So you might spend twenty five bucks on a vinyl, but people feel like they're getting more value. Like I said, half that just because it's bigger, the artwork's bigger, it feels more tangible. 
So I think it's great, you know, and even tapes are coming back. <laughs> yeah, I saw that too. I'm, I don't know. <laughs> it baffles me. I do have a couple of vinyls myself, but it was more that I tend to be the person that buys the super deluxe edition of package of whatever comes out. And so, you know, recently those have included the album on vinyl or some singles. So I've got like a couple. I got like Disturbed One and then the band Ailstorm, that pirate metal band. I've got a couple of like singles from them just because it came in the box. And then when I did Street Team for Roadrunner, they sent me some Cradle of Filth ones. So I have them. I think they kind of just hang on the wall or whatever, but I've got a few. Yeah. And I think a lot of that too is just we have these cycles of nostalgia, right? So I think the tape thing is connected to that, you know, there's an entire subculture of people who play like, you know, vintage video games, right? They want the old Super Nintendo or a Game Boy because it, reminds you of what it was like to be a kid and kind of going being able to go back in that, that that time machine so i think that's where some of the stuff comes from as well yeah i never thought of it that way but yeah you're right i have a friend who a couple friends who have just made it their mission to purchase every old video game they can find yeah and there's same thing with you know vhs i have you know some people friends i know online who do whole like podcasts about watching weird b horror movies but on vhs and collecting those because that's a thing, you know, and, and kind of, cause you can't, as I say, you can't make new old stuff. <laughs> and so, so when you have stuff that's unique to an era, there's always going to be some appeal because you can never, it'll never be that way again. And, and when you, and especially it's a limited amount, right? So that's what makes something a collectible is right. that it's, it's, there's a rarity and there's a uniqueness to it. So the the other thing that I asked you about the last time I had you on the show was a potential God forbid reunion and you had Corey on the X-Men right after that. You guys discussed it a bit. You've been on record lately as saying it's not if, but when, God forbid, reunites. Uh, I actually had Corey on this show last month, and he said about the same thing. So I was just wondering where, I mean, it's been a month since I talked to Corey, so it probably hasn't changed much. But I was just wondering, you know, where things stand with that right now and, and how might that fit in with Bad Wolves touring plans? Well, that's just it. Everything really has to fit into bad wolves touring plans and with bad wolves we had a period of time where we literally couldn't tour because of the legal situation so our touring schedule is kind of not totally caught up with what we want to do so once we we can kind of roll out a six to eight month plan with that then i can kind of configure some god forbid stuff around that because i have to i also have to conform that to the guys and God forbid schedules, you know, guys have families and things like that and regular jobs that, you know, they can't just take off a month <laughs> on a whim. So I have to be kind of cognizant of that, but yeah, man, I, I, listen, I think now feels like the right time because I actually think people want to see the band. I don't know. Buzz is something that is completely tangible, but it definitely feels like I'll post anything kind of about if anything happens with God forbid, you know, I look at the comments and people seem like they really want to see the band. So I, listen, I, I just want it to be fun no matter what. I want everyone to have fun. I want people come to the show to have fun. I want the band to have fun and just do it for the for the right reasons. And yeah, man, I think those obviously I'm very proud of all the records we made and everything we did, did everything we stood for. And yeah, I mean, I I'm listen, I'm just all about. I don't really have of the mind that things just have to end, right? This is over. This is over. It's like, 
if I can keep everything going, I'll keep it going. <laughs> right, right. You know, as long as people are into it, and 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 if the the band itself is enjoying doing it, that's really what matters. It's when it becomes work, or it becomes contentious, or it becomes, you know, just any any anything that that just makes it not fun. You know, right. music is supposed to be fun. You know, and ultimately, there's a business component to it, of, of course. That's what keeps it kind of running. But if that's the only thing keeping you there, then there's just something joyless about it. And uh, what are the chances, uh, you know, because I know some people don't want to do the, the double duty thing. What would be the chances of, of uh, God forbid, and Bad Wolves playing together? I, I mean, I can't imagine it would be on a tour or anything, but, you know, you never know on the same festival or something. It, it, I'm sure it's it's possible. But, yeah, I mean, it's definitely not something I've thought about. I mean, the, the amount of work that goes into doing just one band. <laughs> imagine trying to do everything and that, it would probably be tough because you know with with god forbid you know i've always kind of been the the engine that kind of keeps everything going so it's not just playing the show right it's booking the show and getting the crew together and organizing rehearsals and dealing with merchandise and <laughs> there's there's so many more aspects to get, just getting everything going and then you put if you take all that responsibility and then put me, me being that much more involved with Bad Wolves, you know, it, it's hard to imagine, but you never know. I don't know. I guess I'm not having thought thought about it too much. Just a matter of taking things as they come. I think with with God forbid, we just if we can just get one show, right? And then I think maybe it creates more possibilities to do other things. But I think just getting that one show off the ground will be the biggest amount of kind of effort effort and and work. And once you kind of do that, then it'll make other things a lot more easy to get done. Right. Yeah. I was saying to Corey, uh, when I talked to him, it'd be great to see you guys do something, you know, obviously in Jersey, cause that's where you guys originated from, but, but do something here with, with El Nino and 40 below summer, just cause of how many times you guys played with them in the past. Yeah. You never know. I can love all of that. That, that was, you know, love all of those bands. <laughs> <laughs> so that's about all I've got for you. The only thing you know I wanted to, to leave you with is really what's next for you with between you know you you personally, your podcast, your bands. Uh, like I said, you've got the Papa Roach tour coming up soon. Yeah, I mean everything right now is just work, work, work with with Bad Wolves. We're essentially redesigning who the band is, how we we work behind the scenes, how we work with each other really deciding who we want to be because sometimes you know i i kind of equate it to like a power vacuum you know sometimes you'll have some leader right in a in some foreign country that all of a sudden they're taken out of power and all of a sudden it's like the, the country falls into chaos because there's no even though the the leader was uh maybe not the nicest person they they kind of kept everything together at least they had a unified vision and so we're in this kind of space of redefining who we want the band to be and what we want to stand for and how we want to represent that. And um, to some degree, I think there's been some trepidation about stepping into those shoes and I'm trying not to have any trepidation at all. I'm trying to, you know, fully take the mantle and go, let's just take the, you know, take this bull by the horns and, and really run with it. And so it's equally as exciting as it is kind of scary, but I've always approached my career for the most part, as if I've had nothing to lose, because I just I just almost feel like I have nothing to lose, even though I, I'm sure there there are plenty of things to lose. But I just I don't know. I just think you have to be bold and you have to 
believe in in what you're doing. So and and kind of to go back to what I was saying earlier about not having that role previously and not being able to feel as invested now that I can be, it's like I have to take advantage of that. And really, we I, I, won't, I won't say we only get one shot to do this, but in many ways, if we don't really put a thousand percent of ourselves into the band over the next year or two, actually, let me put it this way. If we put a thousand percent into it, it will have, I think it will have benefits that manifest themselves over a long period of time. And that's really exciting to me because not everyone gets the opportunity, right? To right. not only keep a band afloat and keep it successful, but maybe take it to the, another level. So so really for me, everything is about focusing on Bad Wolves right now. Obviously I'm doing my, still doing my podcast pretty much every week, pretty much when I can make sure I'm doing everything correctly. And that's been great doing the show. I mean, been getting great guests and people are listening to the show and I and I really enjoy doing it. And, you know, just try and keep everything balanced and we'll see. Like I said, the God forbid thing, we're hoping to make that happen soon as well. I'd love to do something else with Vegas Nerve. So as as always, I have too many interests to probably that I can, that I can fit in the day, but hopefully it all it all works in the end. Yeah, man. Well, I'm I'm definitely going to keep an eye on on all of it. You know, like I told you when we talked the first time, you know, doing this show was inspired by you doing your show and the fact that I just always wanted to do something like this. You know, I wanted to I went to college for radio, wanted to be on Sirius XM. Hasn't quite worked out. I work in a call center right now, but I do this when I can because I enjoy it. I enjoy helping to get the word out to people about the bands and the music it, it's just something that i've always i've always loved since i am not a musician myself the best thing to do is to help other people find stuff that they might enjoy and you know if they give a shit about all of the background to, to bring them that information well that's great man keep it up man just as long as you're having fun with it and doing what you want to do that's all that matters yeah like i said i'm hoping one of these days that it can be more of a thing but if not in its current form it makes me happy and that's all that really matters Hell yeah. So, well, I just want to thank you for your time and thank you for being on the show. Anytime, brother. You take care of yourself, all right? Yeah, man, you too. Cheers.
album Dear Monsters, that was Bad Wolves with the song If Tomorrow Never Comes. I want to thank Doc for being on the show. As I said before, great to get to talk to him after so long. If you want to follow Bad Wolves on social media, you can find them on Facebook and Instagram at Bad Wolves Official and on Twitter at Bad Wolves. You can also follow Doc Coyle on Facebook at Doc Coyle Official and on Twitter and Instagram at Doc Coyle. You can also follow the J Bunny's Music Hub podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon. And if you guys have any feedback on the show, any suggestions for the show or for the tiers on the Patreon, certainly let me know. Now, don't forget also, guys, if you believe in supporting music like I do by buying it, you can follow Industry Embers at Industry Embers on Facebook and Twitter. And make sure to tweet or post your music purchases with the hashtag BuyMusic, B-U-Y, or it's BuyMusic, B-Y-E. As for what is next for the show, I've got some emails in and out, as always, in regards to guest bookings. I don't have anything scheduled as of yet, and I just volunteered to work a shit ton of overtime at my day job, so that's going to limit my availability for the next couple weeks, but worry not. Because as I've always said, I am going to continue to do this and make time for this for as long as it makes sense to do so. That's about all I've got for you guys today. I'm going to leave you with another song from the new Bad Wolves album, Dear Monsters. This is Never Be the Same. Until next time, guys. (laughs) 